I want to remind you that uh, we're moving into a, a new emphasis ending the 2021, which it's hard to believe that we're ending. And uh, our emphasis for next year will be uh, expect something new. You'll be hearing that passage of scripture that's in your bulletin next week. I plan to preach from that passage of scripture, talking to you about the things that uh, God alone can do. And there are things that certainly uh, we need to see done in our church, but God can do them and we need to have the faith to expect that he will, as he has promised, do something new. Tonight we're in the book of Ephesians and uh, we've been doing a series on Ephesians on Sunday night and tonight we're back there talking about living strong in the Lord. But tonight I want us to look at one single verse, at least to begin with that, uh, where we uh, began with, uh, uh, we looked at last week, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, and there Paul mentions the assignment that God gave to him. It was his mission, it was his calling, and he said to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable, also in various translations, the unsearchable riches of Christ. A variety of words are used to translate or describe that which Paul called unfathomable. Those words are unsearchable, incalculable, incomprehensible, immeasurable, riches too great to fully understand. You understand that Paul is using words to describe something that simply cannot be measured. So Paul's assignment was to explain the unexplainable, to plumb the unfathomable depths, and his prayer for the Ephesians in that regard might be summarized in uh, verses 18 and 19. We're not going to read all of those verses, but just verses 18 and 19. As he was praying, he said that you might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and, to de and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now listen to how this is translated. Far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, beyond comprehension. So tonight our task is going to be to attempt to describe the indescribable, to measure the immeasurable. So how do you comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of that which is immeasurable, and how would we go about understanding that which Paul wants us to know, which he said surpasses knowledge. Now, tonight we're talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let me give you a little help. I think that each of you have a measuring stick with which you can measure the depths of God's love. That's right, I think you have one, and I think I have one. I think we all have a measuring stick that we can use. Now, I don't know exactly what they do with those sticks at the gas station that they pull out. You've seen them. 
maybe you've explained it <coughs> to me before and you'll have to explain it to me again, but I've seen somebody walk out at the gas station with this big, long, tall stick and open up this hole in the ground and drop that stick down in that hole. Now, I've just always assumed that was a measuring stick, and they were measuring something where they were measuring the depth of the pothole in the parking lot, or they were measuring the gas in the gas tank, and I just assumed that they were measuring something, but it's a measuring stick. So what is your measuring stick that will help you have a better understanding of what Paul clearly says cannot be measured? And I suggested at the very beginning, gave you a picture of a long stick, and uh, I want to tell you your stick is far longer than you realize, and I'm going to explain that to you in just a little bit. I'm suggesting you have your own measuring stick by which to measure the love of Christ and that if each of you took a measure of the love of Christ, you would come back with a different answer based on your own measuring stick. Let me make myself a little bit clearer. Suppose I ask you about your sin. So we've got a hole in the ground and, and in that hole in the ground is a is a deep tank, and that tank holds your personal sinfulness or my personal sinfulness. And I've got to have a measure by which to measure the depth of my own personal sin. Don't attempt to measure that of anybody else's for a minute. Just look at your own. How wide is it? How long is it? How deep is it? The depth of your personal sin would you begin to know? And before you try to get your mind around that, think of this as you measure how high and how wide and how deep your sin is. Remember that as you measure your sin, you're not just measuring the act itself, the lie that you told, the words that you spoke in anger, the sinful act that you committed, you're not just measuring the act itself when you measure the depth of your own personal sin. You also have to measure the impact of it, the damage that it causes, not only to your life, but also to the lives of others. And so think of this. Uh, perhaps the children can get this picture in their mind. If you take a rock and you throw a rock in a pond, the only part of the pond that the rock bothers is where it hits, right? It only bothers that part of the pond. It splashes there, but there are no ripples that go out from the rock, right? Now, you know better. You know that if you throw a rock in the pond, that the, the ripples go out in every direction from wherever that rock hits, and the ripples sometimes can go, and usually do, they go all across the pond. So you think about that. Your sin is the same way. When you sin, it's not only the sin itself that you have to measure, but the impact of it that goes out in every direction, and it impacts not only your life, but the lives of other people. And I want to uh, perhaps describe that. So you have to take into consideration when you're taking that measuring stick and measuring your own personal sin, that your sin outlives you and it outlasts you. 
it spreads, it grows, it mutates, it creates variance. You understand that term variance, like the variance of COVID that wind up infecting other people and spreading everywhere. And so the ill-spoken word, that word that you spoke in anger to some fellow that you worked with who was a dad who went home mad and, and in anger struck his son, resulting in that son leaving home and living a reckless life and raising three children of his own who all grew up more bitter than himself, who also grew up to, to cause hurt and heartache in countless homes so that even more children would grow up in misery and misery would abound and the ripple effects of that word spoken in anger carry on from here to eternity all across the pond of time, the ripple effect all because of what you did in a moment of anger or impatient. Your sin outlives you. Your sin outlasts you. Your sin is incalculable. It is immeasurable. It is unsearchable. The depth of your sin, the depth of my sin, because it goes on the impact of it from here to eternity. So when you think of that, you clearly see that you can't measure the length, the depth, the width, the height of even one of your own sins. You can list them in a linear fashion. You can write them down on a sheet of paper and maybe even know some of the hurt that they might have caused in your life or in your family, but to know the full scope of the infection uh, and the hurt and heartache and the damage spread by your own sin is impossible for you. You know what they're still looking for with covid they're still looking for patient zero. They're still looking for, if it started with one person, who was that one person? You realize that? That's exactly probably what happened. Maybe it started in a lab, but maybe, just maybe, it came out of one of those wet markets in, what China was? Oh, China. It came out of one of those wet markets and spread and spread and spread until it spread all the way around the world. Sin is like that. Did you know the concept of sinlessness? You said, I thought we were talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ. We are. But first we have to be able to measure it. Sinlessness is, is a concept foreign to the Scriptures. For the closer a person comes to God, the more that person becomes aware of the wickedness of his or own, her own heart. I reminded you last week, and we looked at Paul's own words, of how he says in this verse here, we looked at this verse last week, and we just talked about what Paul said when he said, I am less than the least of all saints. He said that he was the least of the apostles. He said that he was the chief of sinners. He said in Romans that he was a wretched man and he could say all of those things because he had dropped the plumb line of God's word alongside his life. And when he dropped the plumb line of God's word alongside his life, when he brought his life alongside the spotless purity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only thing that he could see was his own sinfulness and his own wretchedness. 
So remember, sin is not just the outward acts. The root of sin is in my heart. It, it infects my motives. Did you know that a good deed, a good deed done from a wrong motive is sin? So Ethan's going to go home and clean up his room. He's going to clean up his room because he knows his mama will say, Ethan, you're a good boy, and I'm going to give you five extra dollars for cleaning up your room. That might not be a very good motive sometime. You might ought to just do it because mama says do it, not because you want her to give you something. Not because there's selfishness in us that wants something from somebody else. And so a theologian back in the 18th century whose name was J.C. Riley, when he wrote his book on holiness, suggested that in fact all of our good deeds might be nothing more than splendid sins. That might be all they are. So that our sinfulness is far, far worse in the sight of God than we can imagine. So all I've done is put in your hand a measuring stick because you didn't think your measuring stick was quite as long as you thought it was. But it's far longer the measuring stick that has to measure the depth of your own personal sinfulness. Let me tell you what Paul said in Romans 5.17. He said, By the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. Not reigned like rain from clouds, but ruled like a king. The contemporary English version reads this way, Death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned. And in the Phillips translation it reads, One man's offense meant that men should be slaves to death all their lives. That was the ripple effect of Adam's sin that impacts me and everybody else to this day and continues. Do you see Adam's sin in the pond? All eternity still People sin because Adam sinned. So how wide, how deep, how high, how long is your sin? How did we end up talking about sin? Because we're trying to plumb the depths of the unsearchable riches of Christ. We're trying to see how high and how wide and how deep and how long is the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 verse 20, but the law came to increase, and to, this is the Amplified Bible, but the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. And this is what I think we all like here, but where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, His unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more. We'll talk about that a little further later. So I'm talking to you about the unfathomable, unsearchable, immeasurable, incalculable riches of Christ so that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So if we attempted to measure the love of Christ, we simply have no way to measure it except with the big, biggest measuring stick that we have available, and that is the measuring stick of our own sin. And I hope I've painted you a picture that even that is something greater than you can measure.
Night after night, uh, we watch the news and we hear the analysts talk numbers. They tell us about the cost of plans and programs of government. And the numbers that they throw out at us have absolutely no meaning to us because we don't have anything by which to measure them. And they have no meaning to them because they have never measured them either. Do you know the difference between a million, a billion, and a trillion? They're spelled differently. I know that. That's easy enough. Al's a mathematician. I know he knows how much bigger they are. But we hear those numbers and we just really have no clue about the difference between a million and a billion and a trillion. So let's put it in terms of time. Time is something we have a little better understanding of. So let's talk about a million seconds. You had a million seconds. How long and how much time would that be? It would be just short of 12 days. A million seconds. But if you had a billion seconds, do you know how much bigger a billion is than a million? While a million seconds is only 12 days, not even 12 days, a billion seconds is 31.7 years. That's quite a bit bigger. How much bigger is a trillion than a billion? We want to measure things. We want to know how big things are. We want to know how much things cost. So how much bigger is a trillion than a billion? Well, if a, a billion seconds is 31.7 years, I have to look, you see, to make sure I, I got it right here. in my. So even I know. A trillion seconds would be 31,709 years. Does Joe know how much a trillion is or five trillion? That's a lot of numbers. It's almost inconceivable. It's, to us, it's really immeasurable. We have no way of wrapping our mind around that. And so when Paul talks about the love of Christ, if you put the love of Christ in, in seconds, how many seconds would it be? How many days would it be? How many years would it be? There's just really no way to, to measure it. We, even when we shrink it down like that, we can't, we can't put a number on it. And so my million sins, which the spreading infection resulting and in growing exponentially from here to eternity, growing perhaps a billion to a trillion, and even greater, my billion sins must find a remedy, a remedy that's higher and deeper and longer and wider. But Paul says that it is in Christ we find the measure that meets the match for our sin. The riches of Christ are unsearchable, incalculable, unfathomable. The height and width and depth of the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. There is no scientific calculator or supercomputer that can crunch the numbers or determine the measure. 
Paul had an impossible assignment, yet he relished the opportunity that was given to him to share the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, it was a grace that was given to me, a grace he experienced as less than the least of all saints. He understood that the greatness of his sin was dwarfed, dwarfed by the greatness of the love of Christ. He was overwhelmed and overcome by the majesty and wonder and the depth of Christ's love for him personally, as we all should be. So how would you go about measuring the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge? I like using the illustration because I think it's still a good one of the woman who was in the home of Simon the Pharisee and Simon, Jesus came into Simon's home and Simon didn't kiss him on the cheek and he offered him no water for his feet to wash his feet and he didn't anoint his head with oil. Nothing you do for a guest, especially one that you honored. And then a sinful woman came in and she just began to lavish her love on Jesus. She, you know, you know the story of she just drenched him with ointment and she drenched him with love and all that story. And, and Jesus said, Simon first said, he said, you know, Lord, if you really knew what kind of woman this was, you wouldn't be letting her put her hands all over you like that. And Jesus pointed out the fact that Simon had missed his opportunity to lavish any love and really hadn't, didn't have an understanding of who he was having in his home. But the woman had a pretty good understanding because the depth of her sin had been covered by the depth of Christ's love. And he, Jesus said, Simon, he who has forgiven little loveth little, but he who is forgiven much loveth much. How wide, how high, how long, how deep is the love of Christ? You can rejoice in knowing. Paul said, where Sin abounds. Where the stick is so long and the pit is so deep and so dark, the grace of God exceeds far beyond anything that we can imagine so that it's off the map and off the chart. It is unsearchable. Let's pray.